0: You're listening to the Contrary Beekeeper Show.
1: This episode is brought to you by Nature's Image Farm. If you're interested in nukes, packages, queens, or supplies, visit us on the web at naturesimagefarm.com.
0: Do you want to help support the show? Follow us, Dan and Christie, on Facebook and Instagram at Red Dog Ranch.
1: Do you need a logo, graphic, or web design? Check out Blask Media on Facebook and Instagram. Now, on to the show. We're here in the shop, and today we're gonna talk a little bit about what has been going on this year in the Bee Yards. What are we doing? Where are we going? How come this year has been so good? What is the price we're gonna have to pay? And are we going to be facing another intergalactic alien war intergalactic alien war? Yes. From the lizard people and the greys. Are we waiting for the elite force from the planet X Nibiru to show up (laughs) to save us all? I'm pretty sure it's the Illuminati that save us all. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM with DJ <laughs> Barracuda. Did, did you ever watch um, the George Nori or listen to George Nori, Coast to Coast AM?
0: Not as a child, but I've been on long road trips and I'll definitely turn it on in the evening hours. Yeah. It's wild. Wild. <laughs> There's something about
1: it where you just can't stop listening. No. and when Unlike this show, where at this point, if you're still listening,
0: thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Dan's mom, <laughs> yes, very much so. But we're five more minutes in, and she'll be asleep again. Yeah. So, how is your spring going? It
1: is uh, absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Uh, between the getting moved to the new place and getting all the stuff set up here at the shop, getting the learning yard set up, uh, getting trying to get a wood shop put together to, to build all the stuff, and then there's like the actual bee keeping part yeah which is just a whole other you know it's one you know if you're a beekeeper you end up you need to be uh some type of a craftsman you have you you also have to be uh into woodworking yep um you got to be of course into agriculture and farming pay attention to all the different types of flowers and weather patterns and then moon cycles moon cycles you also have to be a fortune teller yeah and try to like see into the future and like see what in the world is going to happen, but I have never seen a spring this good, ever. Yeah. I mean, ever. We Every now and again, we'll get Black Locust on, but this year, it has been, I mean, absolutely nonstop um, since like about the first of April. Um, I mean, there are folks right now who bought packages from us that are literally getting ready to pull off five. Five gallon buckets of honey. Yeah. On a handful of packages. Yeah. But Dan, you're not supposed to pull honey off your first year. It's and, impossible. It's- and bees can't. Bees can't do that, Dan. What? I don't understand.
0: I I don't get it either. What I'm, I do know
1: is the bees don't seem to read the same books that the people who tell you what your bees can't do. Read. But the
0: real question is, can bees read? My, this is the sound of my mind blowing. And uh, are you ready for this? I'm ready. Bees have an understanding of the number zero, but they can't read. So where they learn geometry and math.
1: The Anunnaki? Is this, this uh, secret
0: no, 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 information I'm, passed down through the Akashic Record? No, I'm really trying to figure out. I, I, I remember reading an article that bees have a knowledge of the number zero and how to build upon it. And it's one of those wild things that are out there for people that just like to read anything bee related. But where they learn how to do it.
1: I don't know. The more I learn about bees, the more I just accept that I don't know anything about these bees. Yeah. Like, they just constantly amaze. Today, uh, you and I were out catching queens,
0: and you saw the coolest thing in the entire world. Wait, which one? Because two things happened to me today that's never happened before. Do tell. So we'll go with the first one that's cool. Uh, I found swarm cells or, s err I don't want to say they're swarm cells. I found cells cause it was a queen hive. I found cells in the hive and I went to pull them off and there was a young virgin queen that just jumped right out onto my finger. Little,
1: little baby virgin queen. And then I was mama. like, and, I was and she like, found old DJ.
0: Like, Greg, I found the virgin in this hive, and he came over, and he, oh, okay, I go, no, it's on my finger. And that's when you finally set your frame down, came over, and looked, and go, yeah, that's a virgin on your finger. And then you found another one. I found another cell, and I was like, huh, I wonder if I'm really lucky today, and I slowly peeled the tip back, and there was a little antenna going back and forth, and... They were hours out from hatching because as soon as I peeled that one back, too, that one jumped right out, and that's like, hey, you got another queenless hive to throw this in. It's the coolest
1: thing in the world when you see stuff like it, and you're working in the yard, and like you've gone through. Okay, this one needs a queen, or this one needs this. Da 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 da, and then you pull a virgin out like that, and just boom, direct release her right into a colony. She dives right in there. Everyone's like, oh, cool, we have hope, and they, it's it's. It's super cool. There's so many things <clears throat> that you'll hear repeated at bee clubs um, in books, um, all kind of this stuff that I don't understand where some of this talk comes from. Um, I can understand maybe why it gets repeated, but there are so many things that are hard, fast rules that you can't, your bees cannot make honey the first year. Do not take honey off your first year. If you ever see any kind of a cell being formed in a hive then they're going to swarm and you can't turn it back and they're going to do it they're just going to keep making more um all these little we should have an entire show not that we're going to talk bad about what some folks are trying to say it's just there are so, there is so much misinformation and beekeeping myths that are put out there that we see here on a daily basis that is absolutely you would say maybe even contrary to what the folks are saying the bees should and shouldn't do. That'd be a really good name of a show. What folks should or
0: shouldn't do? No, the contrary something or another. <gasps> That's a great idea. What what makes what you make me think about is though, uh for the longest time it was a hard fast fact that mites only fed on the larva of young bees. Yeah. For oh gosh. Don't quote me on this. It was like 40 plus years. And then here you have some guy just doing a doctoral thesis paper, completely flipped the world upside down because he just proved it says, I have a picture of Varroa feeding on the fat body of adult bees. And that for me was kind of my turning point. And it was also a point in my beekeeping journey to where I was, I had some experience in it. And it was enough to like make me a little dangerous, and that was the moment I realized that there is no absolutes in beekeeping whatsoever. You should.
1: It, you, you could you could very easily have an entire episode, of all an, these, an entire yes. year yes. of 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 just of all the things that we see that are absolutely contrary to what is written as fact. Yeah, I am very leery. Of, uh, of Of any book of um, any speaker of, of anyone with a YouTube channel that speaks in absolutes very much so, because there are no absolutes, and especially in beekeeping
0: yes, and this came and what what made me really think deeply about it was this came from a a very high academic level that was considered a proven fact. And it's the way that it was. And then here it is overnight. Everything flips.
1: And the trouble with these kind of things is when we are trying to rely on the, you can't see me, but in quotes, science of beekeeping and methods and practices. Like we get into a lot of trouble really, really fast. Let's be honest. Everybody wants their bees to live. Yeah. We all want to do right by our bees. And trying to figure out why bees are dying and why this and why that is a labyrinth of of a bird's nest of idea and practices that I don't know that you, you can ever really untangle by going to one source or yeah. or a handful of uh, modalities of thinking. But, for instance,
0: this whole might wash thing. Ooh. This is about to get really controversial yeah buddy I'm trying I'm
1: trying not to have my blood boil with this but how many of us have done what we think is right by our bees based on what science tells us what the bee club tells us, what the book tells us do this you know first it was. Uh, sugar roll, and then it was windswiper flu and then it was, no, you need a higher test of windswiper fluid. No, no, you need a higher grade alcohol, and then, no, now you need 90% alcohol. and no, oh no, it has to be fresh alcohol with an expiration date of blah, 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 and the goalpost keeps getting pushed further and further and further away, and we keep doing the absolute best that we can, and now we have thresholds that say, well, once you have an alcohol wash of 2%, it's time to treat. Okay, cool. Oh, wow. And, and here's, the, here's the science, and here's the backing, and here's, here's all the reasons why, because of the mite life cycles, and da da, da 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 and everybody gets on board, and they do that, and their bees still die, and they find out that their bees are dying from mites because they are using the same metrics, they're using the same treatments, and it's not working. And it's absolutely infuriating when you're watching your colonies go downhill doing all the things that you think is right and you're told is right and the science is right and da-da-da-da-da until you finally take your beekeeping into your own hands and you find out that, oh, maybe this line
0: that's being put out there isn't indeed a fact. Yeah. I I, I don't think any of this is being pushed as a malice intent or anything like that. Are I- you sure? Yeah. L- lizard people. They haven't really to- big into bees, though. They're more into beef and pork.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Processing plants. Yeah. Mass cattle
0: deaths. Mad cow
1: disease. Herb spirals.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the... What was it? The bird flu? Uh, they're all behind that one. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think any of this is really with, like, a mouse intent. I think that we are... One of the big things I I see is in the B world, we're dealing with issues that a lot of times haven't been dealt with before. And now we are getting technologies catching up to a place to where we're able to find out more information in such a rapid rate, whether it's the laboratory side of it or the just public consumption side of it. And I think everyone's trying at least to do best with the knowledge they have at hand, and sometimes some people can be lagging behind with it. Or some, and I know some cases, they're just set in their ways. And it kind of makes me think of the Don Gist soap. Are you trying
1: to get me fired up, Dan? Then uh, I was just cooling off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me go get you a box to stand on. <sighs> But I think there's there's not a soapbox big enough for this conversation because it is absolutely infuriating.
0: I, well, when was, when was Don dish soap first actually talked about as a way to count mites? I really didn't, it didn't even come into my, to
1: my uh, circle of picking up on the latest and greatest. I don't even think it was until probably, I heard about it a lot in this past January, but it would have been Randy Oliver
0: just Mm -hmm. a year prior. And I brought a bottle of Dawn to the old farm. Right. uh, Late summer, early fall to try to figure out what it was about this. And that's where things got real. Really real. And I don't think any of this is being pushed with any any hostile intent towards anybody. I think what we're finding with the You don't Don- think
1: the ninety percent rubbing alcohol market, big big ag rubbing alcohol conglomerates are just laughing at us right now as it's killing our
0: <laughs> I don't I don't their their stocks are gonna tank. I beekeepers- don't think
1: I don't think so. I, I'm not I'm not saying that there is a a conspiracy with with um, uh, the new world order that's attacking our bees. What I'm saying, and what's so infuriating, is that it is so easy to get caught up in the and the, the 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 poor mindset of trusting science, of trusting the things that you read, trusting the things that you hear as being gospel truth. Yeah, and, and being too afraid to take the reality of the situation into your own hands process it through your own eyes through your own mind and say no this is not what's going on here and i'm I'm, and i'm okay with saying otherwise now
0: have you ever seen like a a youtube video or heard someone explain a method to make splits or make queens or things like that and you just automatically think that's not going to work without trying it or that that might not be the best way to do it without trying it yeah, it might not be for me. Exactly. So now yeah. now to put the shoe on the other foot for you, how many people look and say, who's this Greg Burns guy and why is he using stuff he stole from his wife's counter or underneath her counter? That's that's a false statement, Dan. I know because I brought it over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, brought me-, <laughs> <laughs> but, you but, brought me the dish soap. But look at it from that because in the real world, no one no one really knows who we are. And at the same token, how do we know that how do people know that our information isn't the same as everyone else's? Do they do they realize that we are trying to do best by the bees? Or is it we're just trying to do best with the knowledge that we have? I don't know that we get to know
1: the answers to some of
0: these things. We don't. And I try really hard to look at it from outside perspective. I I do think that Don does better than rubbing alcohol. I can prove it to you. We have it on video. And we've done it multiple times. But it's still a very adolescent theory. And until there, I think there at least is some commonality between a larger group of beekeepers that see the same result, and it still stays repetitive, which it's been repetitive every single time we've used it, that we will start to actually see traction with it.
1: For folks, if you're not aware of what we're talking about, and if you're wondering on why these hillbillies are getting so worked up over Don dish soap and and rubbing alcohol, this is a big deal.
0: Massive, massive
1: deal. It's a big deal because when we are trying to treat our bees, we need to come up with a baseline first to say, hey, our bees are in this condition right now at this point in time. Okay, So in the past, we've used 90% rubbing alcohol to wash the bees, and with a 300 bee sample, we count the mites in the bottom of our wash cup, and it gives us a percentage. For it's been recognized for quite a long time that a lot of folks are using the two percent threshold. When we have a two percent of our population of bees is with mites,
0: time to treat before it gets out of hand. Now is that two percent number contextual? Because I've I've heard of other places that it's the one percent threshold. In some places, it was four percent. Yes, the threshold. It
1: depends. Depends, and it's based on the beekeeper. Yes, and also, like, if you're in, let's say, you're in South Georgia, right? What is it, two percent now? Could could probably be very quickly turned into eight percent in four months. Yes, or even or yeah. even less. We're in Ohio because of our weather and the way our brood breaks and the the length of our season. You know, two percent is about the point typically um, where those numbers are based on the exponential growth rate of the mite and their life cycle, the brood cycle of the mite within the brood cycle of where you're keeping bees for the most part. Yeah. There's also other areas that might be hot spots for mites and things that so we know, okay, this is, at this point in time, they're going to exponentially curve and spike and do this and da-da, da-da, da-da. The problem is 2% was a very conservative number. Very. Um, and that is like a lot of folks would say, you're kind of treating too early if you're treating at 2%. So we've always tried to treat at 2%, and we're still watching colonies crash. A lot of you've, you've probably seen the video um, on our YouTube channel at Nature's Image Farm where it is the alcohol is the might wash video alcohol versus Don dish soap. And in that video, you can see me process all this information. And it was thanks to a listener who asked us to take a video on how we do a wash. So we did a wash and we thought, hey, Dan just brought over this Don Ultra dish soap. You and I were talking about, hey, Randy, ever had some information out there. And yeah. um, if this work, if this works just as good, then why go? Why use alcohol?
0: We were also in the middle of a pandemic and it was extremely difficult to find rubbing alcohol.
1: And ain't nobody going to waste some high test hand sanitizer as exactly. they're making it home to wash bees. It's not yeah. going to happen. Not going to happen. So we thought, okay, cool, let's do that. Let's see what happens. We'll run... An A B comparison, uh, and in the video you'll see we take bees from the same two frames. We take two frames of bees out of this box, sealed brood and open brood, It's emerging the whole picture of brood. We shake both frames of those bees into a Pro Nuke plastic box. We bump that Pro Nukes down into the corners where all the bees are kind of jumbled up, and then with our measuring scoop, we take a scoop out and put it into the alcohol wash cup and we take a scoop out and we put it into the dawn dish soap wash cup so bees from the same two frames from the same corner of a box sampled at the same time and watch the video to see what the numbers are it blew our minds yeah the dawn ultra dish soap had so many more mites in it that when i'm finding it and i'm counting it out i'm freaking out
0: you know if you tell them they're not going to watch the video i can't remember what they are really bad were. at these cliffhangers
1: i know it was like 2.8% with the alcohol and like, I think 7.4%. Yeah. Some right around there with the Don.
0: That's a big deal. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's a massive deal. And for me, it's not really about the threshold that I've been told to treat at. Cool. People do whatever you want. I can't stop you from doing you great. But for me, I'm getting bad information on when I want to treat. I'm not seeing the full picture. So are you seeing though? I don't know.
1: I'm seeing bees keep dying through the winter and when I look it's every single sign points right to Varroa. Yes. Even when the alcohol washes are showing zero and one percent. Yes and then we wash the same sample of bees with the Don and it's showing us three to five percent. Yes. The two percent number with alcohol I think is bogus. Yes. And I think it is it is way too low of a threshold. If if anything, we need to be using Don Ultra Dish soap at a two percent threshold. With, with with the correlation puts alcohol at 0.5%. Yeah. So I think if you're going to use alcohol, 0.5 should be the number to, to jump from. Yeah. You do your treatments. Then you follow up with another wash to see if it actually worked. What happened in that video? I had two choices. In that video, as I'm thinking, you know, and the camera's on, I either A, I go and abide by the, the 2% rule by all of the educated folks in the scientific community says to do
0: it's not it's not that. or it's, i don't it's two percent's been the general rule by everybody that at least at least i i know of i and i say it, it is that's been the, yeah. that's been the accepted number was it was been two
1: percent there that's better the accepted number okay and now i got this don number and i'm thinking man if i treat this like the alcohol, and it's like nah, a little over two, not a big deal. Boom, we we'll do this, da 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 da, we'd we'll be fine. But I decided that inside my heart was howling, and my guts were not, were knotted up, and something on the inside said, "No, you got to get serious with this. You got to treat this like with your don number." So what did we do? We treated some hives with the don number, and we treated some hives like we would have with the alcohol. The colonies that we treated. With both Apigard and Osalic Acid that we used at the same exact time, yeah. we use the Osalic Acid in our Larabi's vaporizer to knock down the freddick mites. Yeah. Whatever's hanging out on the outside in freddick, we still want to pop them immediately. So we used that. And then we also put a round of Apigard on, followed by another round uh, about 10 to 12 days later. When we came back, time got away from us from the rest of that fall. In the springtime, the colonies that thrived and survived and were looking good were the ones that still had the treatment shim on and still had the Apigard card on top of the frames with a little crystal residue of the thymol. What did that tell me? That told me that my mite levels were so high that that extended release from that thymol is probably what knocked the mite load down. Yeah. That's a big deal. Massive. If I would have not have done that, if it, if it, it, this is, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. If the if the viewer, the, the the subscriber didn't ask us to take that video, and I didn't find that information right then and there, and decided to course correct when I did, I would have very likely just kept cruising on what I was doing, which would have ended up looking like maybe one round of Apoguard.
0: Yeah. I I personally. I don't see it as the the perfect magic bullet by switching to Dawn. I see it as instead of looking at it through a drink straw, we're now looking at it through a toilet paper tube. We get a little bit bigger of a picture of what's going on. By no means is this the perfect way. Do we know the best way to do it? No. Mm Mm-mm that's the unique thing about the scientific community is it's always asking the question. That's why we have this scientific process for a reason to where you always get better and better and better. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be really unique to see how well this year coming up is working with Dawn. And I would like to challenge you to something. If we got like 50 of the little jars, or maybe a hundred. Go through and just do fifty comparisons side by side, and actually take real data points on this to see what the difference is between, uh, was it ninety-one percent isopropyl alcohol mm-hmm. versus Dawn? Here's what's
1: crazy. When I get fired up about these kind of things,
0: you get fired up.
1: Is it obvious? I'm, yeah. I'm trying to stay calm, Dan. Your cheeks are rosier than Santa Claus right now. I just, I'm upset with myself. I'm upset with sometimes feeling like it is not okay to challenge the accepted line on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, We have always been contrary, but sometimes it's because we're hard-headed and we're stubborn. Um, But sometimes when you don't feel like you know all the details and know all the different things and the nuance between mites and uh the their their relationship with the honeybees and what that really means and why are they affecting the bees and all the nuance and the details that surround the entire picture it's very easy to get lost and not feeling like you're confident and taking the correct step a lot of folks also find that even though they have made the right moves last year it might not be the right move this year for whatever reason yeah could be uh, product concentration um, it could be other things going on, new viruses, uh, different impacts that they actually have um, on the honeybees, and it always keeps us guessing. I think that's what brings a lot of us back every single year. Yeah, is there these bees always keep us on us on our toes? We're always learning. We're always trying to dig in. I think the big t- the, the the takeaway here is not whether or not Don dish soap is better than alcohol. The takeaway is. Don't get complacent. Don't get comfortable. And don't just rely on whatever information you think is the leading authority of information based on any of these things in beekeeping. Yeah. You have got to go see the bees. You have got to go spend the time to actually observe and try to do it unbiasedly as possible. Mm -hmm. And actually look and see. Those bees will tell you. You know, when we're out here and we're doing an alcohol wash and we're getting like 0.5 and 1% with the dish soap. Those bees look incredible compared to what the bees would look like when we were at 1% or 2% with the alcohol. So metrics aside, you can look at the bees sometimes and just get a sense. Beautiful laying patterns, wall-to-wall brood. Everybody just has a shiny coat. There's a certain vibe to them. They're doing their work. Everything looks awesome versus the ones that are sick or lethargic or struggling or they have an attitude problem or they're extra spicy the list kind of compounds there's all these reasons why, but we can't get complacent and we can't get too comfortable following a certain regiment or a program or a protocol um, yeah. and definitely not subscribing to a certain doctrine of how to do some of these things because these things are changing so fast.
0: There's a phrase that I had in a previous life that you just made me think of and it's complacency kills.
1: Mm. Boy, ain't that the truth. Yes. What would be doing right now if we were talking about sugar rolls and how um, how great powder dusting our colonies with powdered sugar is for mite control? I hear it's a pretty sweet thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Did those things work? Did they work 10 years ago? Yes. Do they work now? I'm sure
0: to a certain extent. But that's because we're in a very fluid environment. That's true. We We are dealing with issues that... Uh, going back and reading LL uh, Langris's book, th- not, hardly any of the stuff we deal with today is what they're dealing with back then. And all of these things, like when did Vroa take off? Right. It when that swept through, that was an unprecedented thing. And then before that, we've always had like wax moth pressure. Then there's hive beetles and things like that. It's always a very dynamic environment. And that's why I try not to get really bent out of shape about it is because I know things are moving. I know there are a lot of people trying to do their best at what we can do as a whole to best do by, good by the bees. I think at times that some people just grasped a little too tight and don't accept that newer things are coming out. So I think I think the community can be a double edged sword. You gotta be able to, to pivot on your
1: heels and not get not you know, beekeeping is an art. Very much so. You know, Bob Benny has explained that and has talked about the art and the wisdom of beekeeping and how these things kind of fit into the whole picture. But a lot of folks also, as as a person, as a human, they identify with aspects of beekeeping. Um, yeah. It's it's an expression of themselves. It is an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more than a hobby. It's it's sometimes less than a hobby. We all have a different um, walk with those kind of things. So sometimes when we identify and we invest uh, f- physically into the labor, yeah. financially into the equipment, uh, mentally and all of the the the, the, the thought patterns and things that we put into thinking these things through spiritually even if you spent time sitting in a bee chair watching the bees you have to at some point understand there is something going on there that's way bigger than ourself with these bees it's easy to get invested um, in all the different aspects to where as soon as you start to see something working you want to latch on because it feels like it's the right thing and this and that and the other thing but you also at the same time. Have to be, like you mentioned earlier, fluid enough that when you start to see and pick up on the feedback that it might be moving in a different direction, you have to be able to say, hey, okay, I, I see that. What can we do? What's 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 the move here? You know, if that means a different type of a feeder system, a different type of a lid, a different type of a hive configuration, different kind of a treatment or a placement yeah. or da-da-da-da-da, then you have to be able to say, okay, cool, I'm going to go ahead and do that. How many different lids have we used and materials to where every yeah. time we build them, we're like, man, this is the best. Yep. And then now, you know, after a couple of years and things are rotten out prematurely and then they do this and they do that. You know, right now, your wife and my wife, they're in the other building the and I can halves. hear them just hanging out, having a good time. The better clucking like hens are wax dipping um, all of our uh, our cheese board lids for our colonies. Yeah made beautiful lids today uh we they've been in use we've we've uh, trialed them now for an entire year it's um stuff that we picked up from from the warners down in florida they've used the forever and john yeah. knox it is the bee's knees and so now we're getting we're moving to a lot of that type of, of of materials things that um are you know have have lasted the test of time knowing that there maybe there'd be something better um in the future but it's sometimes uncomfortable. A lot of these things with beekeeping are uncomfortable. very much so because they force us to really put in the, 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 the thought and, and and to constantly reevaluate what it is that we're doing to possibly accept the fact that is not that, that what we are doing is not going to go the way that we had hoped, that we had wanted, that we had dreamed or we had envisioned. Good. Good. Now what? You yep. learn. Yep. Right? When your pen, when your marking pen Blows
0: is laying out.
1: out in the hot sun with the nib down. <laughs> What's a nib? A nib is a little chiselly point Oh, the felt thing. tip? The tip. Okay. The tip of the, uh, of the pen. Yeah. When that thing is pointing face down in the hot sun, and then you've got everyone crowding around to see how you mark a queen... And then your buddy from Castle Hives has the video camera right in front of you. And you're actually actually trying to position this queen. You're not trying to, like, mark it. uh, uh, You're trying to get the queen into the camera. And then you're trying to get it to do just so. And you take that really hot paint marker, nib down, and go paint it. And you have told people a bazillion times before you ever mark the queen, just dot it off on the side of the box or the lid. And what does Greg do? Not dotted off. He got complacent, right? I was only yep. focused on getting the queen and the pen and the shot. And so everybody else could see what was going on and got complacent. Popped the cap, stuck it on there, gave her a bath in yellow paint. The good news is she's still laying up a storm. She's totally fine, which is a whole other myth that, oh my gosh, if you get paint, on more than a thorax. If you get it on her wings or her body or her legs, those bees are going to kill her, destroy her. She won't be able to walk around and function, and she's doomed. Might as well just dip her in a bucket of yellow paint at this point. I mean, luckily her eyes are still good. <laughs> <laughs> but she's laying up a storm. Um, so and, anyways, um, it's getting late in the evening. We can get grumpy. We, we've been out here all day long, and so I don't want to come off like an old grump. Um, when it comes to these kind of things, but you just, are old. It's it's fresh. Another forty joke. I mean, you guys just don't stop.
0: You just don't stop.
1: It's I don't know, Dan. What do you think? Is what what can we do? Do you think to not be not? What can we do to
0: not get complacent? Be curious. One hundred percent. Be curious. Yeah. They're they're. There's never, like I've said before, there's never an absolute in beekeeping. There's always something in like the evolution of our lids. There's always something that's going to be better. But the only way you find that better is to be curious. Always be
1: of a mind that, hey, what if or why is this or yeah, that? Yeah, because then it just it's a never ending learning process. And if
0: not, I'd still be painting plywood lids praying that it doesn't completely fold apart on me and just here in a year I'm replacing my lid. Right. And it's because I had curiosity. Well, I know this doesn't work. How can I improve on it? Right. And so that went into concrete form boards. Then from there that went on to dipping form boards. And then now the fourth or fifth version of that we're, we're doing cheese boards. Curiosity is one of the greatest traits of mankind, and it's one of the things that's brought us so far to where we are
1: we're, we're, I think you if you're of of a mind where you're always trying to dig in do better improve then I think you have to be of that mindset if, is you're, it, if you're going to 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 really grow I think as a beekeeper is and,
0: it to improve though because for me it's 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 laziness. If I build a lid, I want to build one no, lid I, for that hive. You, you say
1: that, but we're trying to we're we're in trying to improve our outfit. We're trying to in, in improve um, our our operation, not necessarily size or scale, but the efficiency. We're trying to in, improve. Um, where okay, we're spending can, our time and efforts, and I can
0: take you on the efficiency one because I, when I build something, I want to do it one time and know it'll last a good bit. Yeah, I mean, and
1: I'm not like taking a lid and say, "Well, if I uh, you know bed this at 32 degrees and I brought this back here, then maybe more rain and snow." And da da, 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 da. No, that's that's not what when I mean by improve, we're, we're improving the functionality of something. Yeah, we're trying to find a way that uh, we're evaluating the cost um, for the the use of something for the mm-hmm. obsolescence is going to be. At this point in time, does it make sense to spend this much money on this kind of a, uh, this kind of a material? You know, what's that going to look like long term? How much weight is that? How does it work on a four way pallet? How does it work on a regular stand or on the yeah. ground? We're trying to just, I think, in, improve. I'm trying to improve me. I'm yeah. trying to improve myself as a beekeeper, of course, as a father, as a husband. But trying to, you know, always trying to do better all the time. Dig in make the improvements where I see opportunities um, to do it. And I think that's, I mean, how else do you and I go from having a couple hives, you know, in the backyard to talking about potentially sending a load of bees to California?
0: Curiosity. That's how we did it. A lot of it for me is, can I do it? I'm curious. Push. You got to push. Yeah, I'm a naturally curious person. My mother would be chuckling if she didn't fall asleep at the 10-minute mark. But as a little kid, I was a curious person. I remember her retelling the story. I wouldn't know how a camera worked, so I took one apart. She was not really happy. I just (laughs) took the family 35-millimeter camera apart. But it's. I think that's one of my best traits is that I... I know that I'm curious and I'm a tinker. I can't just leave anything alone. That's true. I very much can. And I can't sit still either. But that is what I think has really proved me with a lot of success, at least in my own eyes, what I think is success to where I always want to try to do better. And I always try to do those things that either save me time or save the bees a little bit more so if it if it falls really into those two criteria, I'm all about it and right I'll, and I've tried some really wild stuff, but it's just it's, i don't know what happens like if if we uh releasing a virgin into a hive right why
1: why'd you do it? Try to fast track the time that it takes to get a colony re-queen I wanted to see what do they do? How do they? How do they? How do they gather around her? What does she do? Does she dive? Does she run? Is she scared? Do they attack? Are they mean? Do they accept? How is she is she going to get in there? How is it going to fast track the time frame on a cell? Are we get this colony queen right even quicker. I, and, but I just there's that moment where you. It's sometimes it's 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 a it's so minute in the time frame, but you see that thing and for a second you're just stuck. Like I saw that queen on your hand. Yeah. I took the queen from you. Open up the lid. I put her right on the top bars. And she's, you know, how virgins are. They don't fly, but they just, they're kind of chilled out and they just walk and crawl and die. And I put her in there and she is, it was the coolest thing. It was like, she's diving off the diving board and going right down into the colony. She just has this archie and she's trying to get in down into the box I just cracked the frame just a little bit and she just gently and gracefully swoops down, crawls down and just just dunks herself right into the colony. And the bees are like lovingly surrounding her. And you get to see, like in that moment, the curious mind says, what happens when I put the virgin in there? Exactly. But the person is too cautious would say, oh, no, I don't know what to do. I am want to go watch a YouTube video. I'm going to have to go read a book. I'm going to have to go. I'm, I'm too afraid to lose this virgin queen or I'm too afraid to have this hives do whatever they think they're going to do. But for me, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Let's crack the lid and see what happens. Yeah. Or let's run her in the front door. or Let's coat her in honey and then run her in the front door. Or let's coat her in a yellow paint marker <laughs> and see if she'll live. I mean, I, you're right. There, there, is, there's, there is something curious with beekeeping that you just... Have to know. You just want to see what happens. And the coolest thing is when you see something happen and then you go to try to repeat it and it happens again and it happens again and then something changes and it didn't happen like it always has. Yeah. And then you try to replicate the change and then something else happens and then you realize, oh my gosh.
0: So, you know what you just described right now? the scientific process. I'm not against the scientific process. I know you're not, but that, that is, that is driven by curiosity.
1: I am against the, the scientific process of somebody not taking the science into their own hands and doing something. Exactly. With it. I'm against relying on whatever XYZ college of beekeeping or institute of whatever to say Here's how you do it, because we did these studies in our very, very blind placebo test of three colonies in this context, which is totally out of bounds and has nothing to do with you, your bees, and, and why and how you're using the bees. I'm all for is it because it called citizen science? What, what I'm observational science, field science. I'm all for folks having the courage to go out there. And see if all the things that they heard is true. Yeah. To find out that, to to not be afraid to just drop that virgin into a colony. To not be afraid to cut those queen cells out and make a bazillion splits. To not be afraid to get in there and see what the bees are doing. And be of a mind that if something doesn't go the way that you thought it should, good. Exactly. Dig in there and find out why. And that will make you a way better beekeeper when you're learning
0: right there from the bees. Understanding the why of all of it. That's huge. It's massive. That, yes. And we all, we all, when we first started out, we, we knew, we had an idea what steps to take at what time of year because that's what we were told. And for me, that was the deep dive that started all this was, well, okay, well, why am I putting on a one-to-one syrup in the spring? Or why, why is it? Or why aren't you putting a one-to-one syrup on in this? Yeah. Plant? Why does it have to be one-to-one? Is this the best option? Or is it the most convenient just to say aloud? Because depending on some people, was it Bob said like 1.3 to 1 mm-hmm. is the closest uh, you can make to uh, wild nectar. So why are we doing that? I My second year, I ran two-to-one. Probably a very heavy two to one because, well, if they're going to be storing it and eating it, well, why are they going to spend the energy to get the moisture out of it? So it led me down a lot of different paths. So it's, it's a very, very, it's never very, ending. yeah,
1: it's, is there a plastic foundation that I can put in these boxes so that when I'm fooling around with all these deep frames that I don't have frame, full frames plopping out of out of the, you know, natural drawn comb or wax and wired stuff getting funky and hot when I'm trying to build and sell nukes. Is there a plastic that's gonna be solid and firm and do all its thing that the bees actually like? That curious thought led us to getting a hold of Jeff Johnson at Premier to where we trialed it out. That was a whole thing. Yeah. That that completely
0: changed the face of our. You beekeeping. can probably go back to previous episodes and <clears throat> listen to uh, our stances on a lot of things oh, sure. and how it evolves through the year, and that's one of the unique things I really love about doing this podcast. For me personally, is I can go back and see how my thought process has evolved through time. Yeah, i I personally know I held some hardline opinions on things, and that has changed throughout the year. The big one for both of us was when we thought that not treating bees was the greatest thing ever, and they're a natural thing, and we can keep them just the way nature intended. Oh,
1: Dan, we were we were having <laughs> such a good podcast episode. I just <sighs> luckily I just don't have it in me tonight to to go and to go down that road. You mean go get
0: another box of soap real oh, quick? My goodness! If that's it, and it's and it's not necessarily going down that rabbit hole again because we already have. It's the fact that we were curious. We are able to have enough. Uh, oh. You
1: have to be able to challenge yourself. Yes, exactly. And say, hey, I've said this, but hey, I'm going to challenge myself and see if this is where I'm really at with this. Or if I'm comfortable enough with this and what I think I know or understand to like rapidly change and go a
0: completely different direction. A lot of folks won't do that. Self awareness—that's what I was looking for. Yeah. We have enough self awareness to where we can look and really question our beliefs. On is this the best thing to do? And I think for me, that is a lot of where I've gone to, or a lot of the reason why I where I am now is because I, I, I know for me, I'm my harshest critic. And so it's kind of easy for me to always question myself. And I second guess myself a lot. Yeah. A lot, which I should probably not
1: do. But what's interesting with you, Dan, is over time, you are also getting in tune with this little hillbilly checks and balances compass thing on the inside and you go with it. And I know that you've, you have have a lot of experience going with your gut oh, yeah. in situations. And in my experience, going with our gut on a lot of these things puts us in a very positive and way healthier situation than if we sit there and second guess and, and re, replay this or what if I did this or what if I do that, da-da-da-da. You stall out. You don't make a move. Sometimes... You just need to take that one step in, in a direction. And that, that a lot of times validates that little gut feeling that you had to say, hey, the alcohol is not washed, is not working. Yeah. Let's try the Don. Oh my gosh, look at these Don numbers. Now what do I do? Oh, da da da. Oh, then that little thing goes off on the inside and it says, buddy, you need to treat this situation like it's serious and it's severe because yeah. it is. Yeah. And then that has been one of those other opportunities that completely changed our outlook and our approach with with the bees. And the bees are way better for it.
0: Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's what it's about is doing the best we can for these bees. Yep. And by doing that, we get more. We make more bees. Or in my case, I make more honey. But at the end of the day, it's what's doing right by the bees. That's it. Do what's right by the bees. Don't get complacent. Don't get
1: too sure of yourself. Definitely don't get too cocky. Beekeeping is the greatest humbler I have ever known. Very much so. And these things are going to happen.
0: Good. Work through it. Do better. At the end of the day, there's always a better beekeeper somewhere else. Well, this has been
1: a better spring than I have ever seen, ever. Oh, we're going back to this? We've got to finish up on this.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. I kind of figured we went off the rails.
1: (laughs) What I want to talk about just uh, here in closing, there's a yin and a yang and there is a balance and that scale has to be teared. There There is no unlevel scale when it comes to these things. We cannot have a spring this good and not pay for it. It's what I feel on the inside. Yeah. Did we pay for that last year? are we going to pay for it this year but this spring has been so good that it's it's mind blowing we got every single flow we got yeah everything all the apple all the locust uh right now uh the the blackberry the multiflora rose uh everything that is major and when it flushes and it's just right we end up with honey-bound colonies in May and we're splitting ferociously all May and the next thing you know, your bees have grown three and four times and you're out of equipment and you're scrambling and you're doing this and you're doing that because the bees are growing so incredibly flat fast. The pollen is through the roof. Like it's been, you know, there are bumper years in agriculture and I think this year is a bumper year the spring i hope the entire year is something on the inside is telling me to be very careful and to be very cautious um on expecting this kind of yield all year long i don't yeah. know what it is i don't know why but inside is my inside little flag there the 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 voice on the inside that little gut feeling is saying uh, uh-uh, don't get too comfortable cowboy because there are There's going to be some changes coming this year. I don't know what that is. But I feel like with anything in life, there's a balance. And it's been way too good. How has this spring been for you
0: guys up at Red Dog Ranch? I have honey everywhere. Everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And I was definitely not prepared for what came I was definitely scrambling to put boxes on to at least try to mitigate the backfill of honey into the brood chambers. It has been absolutely insane. I there's there's no other way to put it. Folks it- are complaining this year that
1: <clears throat> the nectar flow is so hot and heavy that the bees completely stop drawing foundation. Yeah, mine did. And are doing
0: nothing but just trying to sock it away any way they can. Yeah. Anywhere they can. I had some uh, undrawn boxes out there, and they literally crawled over the undrawn foundation to go one box up to store drawn foundation. I saw something today. Absolutely blew my mind. The,
1: I've never seen this. Well, that was cool. Uh, Dan actually caught a laying worker in action and we took video of it and we have the most absolute surefire only way to fix a laying workers situation and you'll have to see it in that video. So we think it's the only one. And remember what we said about absolutist only way or only way thinking. Yeah, you Thanks. probably don't want
0: to listen to anything we said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I saw on the, on the bottom board, okay, a standard... Three quarter bottom board. Yeah. The bees drew wax, wonky wax on the bottom board to store nectar yeah. at the entrance. What and I have never seen yeah. I mean, it is it was like horizontal wax. It was the I mean, goofiest thing I have ever seen on the bottom. Yep. They could have gone up and drawn comb, but they were trying to get it. It was almost like they're trying to get a home, build some kind of a kitchen cabinet as fast as you can. Yeah. As close to where it's coming in at so they can sock it away. Here's what worries me. I'm not an alarmist, but it's almost <laughs> as though it's they're they they are ferociously socking it away like we're not gonna like it's going out of style. Like it's coming in so hot and heavy for some reason. Maybe it's not going to the rest of the year. Planet Nibiru is in full bloom as we speak. <laughs> Maybe
0: it's a I seventh should sign. sleep more before I do these things.
1: We could just go on a whole entire tangent.
0: Oh my gosh, of the crazy things we've heard
1: or say to each other on the phone all the time. Oh,
0: very much so. People are like getting a real taste of our conversations for once. I think like what do you think though? Do you think do you think we can have
1: it this good and it just be this good the rest of the year?
0: Well how did if you if you want to follow the yin and yang, how was the fall?
1: Terrible. The worst one of the worst falls ever.
0: Yeah. So is this is this the recovery for that hard fall? I hope. Because we, we dealt with a lot of losses just because everything stopped and went stagnant. Spring was finally normal-ish
1: in a yes. while. Like it, 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 we didn't have the big, heavy swings. You know, we had, uh, the old-timers would say three snows after the facithia blooms. We had that. Yeah. We might have got even one extra one. Like, we actually had regular spring weather, and the plants responded, a pro, you know, in turn because of that. What does that mean moving forward? I don't really know. Um I think the biggest thing is it's gonna be a matter of fall flow. Yeah. So while we could I really want a huge fall flow. I I'm, if love. we get a huge fall flow, I mean I don't I don't know what the yang would be. Maybe maybe we've already paid. Maybe this is balancing the scale. Yeah. But the the hillbilly inside of me says you have gotta be a little more cautious than that. You have to start preparing now for it not going right later. And in my mind, how things would not go right is going to be weather. Yeah. It's going to be, we're going to get into a situation where when we hit dearth this year, maybe we actually hit dearth. We get some high temps and we get some low rain uh, and we start not having the typical wildflower run that just kind of keeps things steady. Like maybe we lose all that and we get into July and August to where they really start robbing heavy. And now we're banking on fall. We're banking on goldenrod and the fall flow. Maybe we do where we don't get it. If that's the case, well, what can we do about that?
0: Move to a place that has more goldenrod. Which is? I don't know. But we need to find (laughs) that magical
1: place. There's goldenrod goldenrod out right now. The first plants are starting to come up. So it's going to be another, what, month before that starts to bloom? False goldenrod and then, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. So it's coming. Whether it blooms and does anything is the question. In my mind, I'm going to be careful. I think how I prepare for this is a win-win. I do not. I think on my plan for the rest of this year is we are all caught up on all of our new quarters. We are getting caught up um, on the spring queens. The nectar has actually been so good; it's actually affected our queens because in a lot of situations they were plugged out and they had no place to lay. Yep. And so they actually can put us behind two weeks or so on getting queens out because although there's a, a very developed and a fat, plump queen in there, if I can't seal, if I can't see that she has all the stages of larvae and sealed brood, I don't want to ship that queen personally. Yeah. And I've got situations there where they're they're plugged out with protein and carbohydrates that, that, that opportunity is not there. So how do I prepare for that? I think I'd be careful on how many splits that I make, how hard and lean I make those splits. And I think what I do is I just bank on the spring is so good, the bees are busting so great. I think I'm going to try to make all of my last splits and make heavy very conservative like you talked about earlier five and seven frame splits <laughs> Fine, We're beyond
0: conservative is that
1: crazy to say we're making five and seven frame splits because within three weeks that single is exploding and then needs a box yeah what do you th- what do you think what's what's what is your
0: play for the rest of the year uh here within the next month, make the last of my splits, and then from there and they're they're all gonna be heavy at least five frame splits, and then from there, it's just cruise mode. get ready for winter i'm I'm trying to reel back being a gambler. I like to let things ride and push the envelope a little bit, and sometimes it's come back to bit me or bite me or bit you yeah it, it bit might me. bite you, yeah, sorry it's a what is it, 11.15 now? Is that late? I don't know. It's It feels late. Ugh. It 11 is. 11.07. Oh, man. I'm good. You're, yeah, wow. Nailed yeah. it. But I'm trying to be a little bit more conservative in my moves. Uh, I definitely want to increase honey production. So being as wild as I was in the past kind of showed me where my limits are. And it kind of showed me the limits of what I can do and what I can't. I'm not saying being wild and crazy with bees in the past was a terrible idea. Oh, right. It it kind of put my bracket on what I can get away with and what I can't. So I I know how to now do things in a more calculated manner. So it's, for us here in the next month, we're done with splits. And it's going to be gearing up all of, our, all of our splits for production next year. And for me, it's trying to do it the cheapest way possible. And that's just put some feet on them and let them cruise. That's a,
1: that, what I like is being able to get them in a place where they can just cruise. Yep. Can we make Can we make a split in a queen with a handful of bees and a queen cell? We've sure. done it. We've done it. Can we split a package three times? Yeah, we've done it. We've done it.
0: Can Have we, we done it four times?
1: Uh, well, we split the split of the splits and then split that split at least one more time to make the last split.
0: But have we split four off of a package?
1: I think I've only gone as far as three. And there might be a video of making the three way split with no veil with some really grumpy bees that decided they want to come <laughs> give me a little extra sugar on camera.
0: <laughs> oh, that was actually kind of fun
1: to watch. It's, it's, it's Dan, it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, on both of us, we, we are a support mechanism for each other. Very but we're, much it's, so. it's fun to see you grow in your journey with bees. Um, it's fun to do a lot of these things together. It's fun to see us physically and mentally make shifts and moves in different directions um, with all these things, which all continue to, as the kids say, level up the game and what we're doing in the bee yard with our bees, with our equipment. We're making more calculated risks based on what we know we can get by with. That create the baseline yeah. to say, okay, we want to gamble. Hey, we can do this, but the result is probably going to be dot, 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 dot. Does that fit into where we're going with things right now? If it is, okay, great. We can do that. If not, we want to see a different outcome. Okay, then let's do this. And then we're getting all this new feedback. I think we're finding this weird place where we're not getting cocky, but we're starting to get enough confidence in ourselves to make good choices and that we are comfortable saying okay i see this and i see that so okay let's try this where a lot of getting going and beekeeping is trying to figure out what in the world am i seeing
0: it's calculated moves yeah calculated. because we have enough knowledge to be dangerous we we can fill in a lot of the blanks on the questions of like previously curiosity. We've done enough dumb stuff to know what happens. And we're just now filling in some of the smaller portions. We know how wild we can get in springtime when apple blossoms come on. Right. We know that July for us here in Ohio is kind of when you got to start reeling in the craziness Tighten it up. and start getting ready for winter. Right. But we figure that out with a lot of dead bees. Right. A lot of dead bees. But also, too, if we didn't do that, we would have
1: no idea. And the only point of reference that we would have is because somebody said this or da 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 da. You got to sometimes learn these things for yourself to give you that solid point of reference to make all those decisions moving forward. As we've gone from backyard and to flirting with hobby and then flirting with small sideline to now run in several hundred colonies, it starts to add up and you start to have to, to learn to make the right moves at the right time and then you grow yep. exponentially. And then all of the risk is mitigated, it's it's calculated, and you move in the direction that you want. At the same time holding each other accountable and saying, hey, Uh, We're not going to get complacent. We're going to keep trying to look at this with fresh eyes and not be afraid to make new moves or try a new thing and try to do this. Like you said, to stay curious and at the end of the day, to do the best we can for these bees uh, in our context at our scale.
0: The greatest advice I would say is find a trusted person and just call them and start the conversation (laughs) off with. I need a sanity check. Oh,
1: man. That's it. Yep. Yep. Sanity checks.
0: We've had a lot of those conversations. Start. It's it's yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, well, Dan, it's getting late. Uh, <laughs> it's beyond the. We, we've already had a day and a half. Uh, oh gosh. So, yeah. uh, thanks again for you and Christy coming out and helping um, here in the woodshop. And oh, it's a great time um, being out on here. The farm here. We'll see you again Saturday uh, for the learning yard here at Nature's Image Farm. We'll have um, our our bee folks out to learn um, hands-on and five- and eight-frame equipment, 10-frame, APMA, horizontal hive, you name it. Uh, And also, we'll have out our uh, military veterans. You'll uh, you'll probably have some of your Hives for Heroes um, newbies. We'll have some of ours here, too. Um, It's a great time. If you are a beekeeper um, and you want to do what's right and you want to help folks out in any way that you can, even if you didn't serve in the military, if you want... To serve those that did, uh, consider signing up at HivesForHeroes.com to be a newbie um, and/or a mentor um, to help folks get into a good place with beekeeping, um, see them be successful. It's a great organization; they're doing awesome things. Um, we are absolutely honored and humbled to be a part of it, um, and it's so cool to see all these folks out here uh, finding that common ground, which is beekeeping, and all just being a lighthouse to each other um, and just moving things in a positive. way direction if you want to find more about red dog ranch you can check them out on the as the young kids say the ig the ig at red dog ranch ohio uh facebook at red dog ranch and if you want to find out about uh, dan's prior um film career we'll just leave it at that (laughs) look up dj barracuda DJ Wham.
0: Barracuda.
1: <laughs> God, my mom's going to hate you for that one. <laughs> um, we're going to try to uh, try to get some videos out here in the future, too, um, at the Nature's Image Farm YouTube channel. If you want to learn more about uh, what we do there, check it out. Uh, visit us at naturesimagefarm.com if you're interested in one-gallon bucket feeders, uh, the feeder plugs, wax-dipped hive kits, uh, Larabi's Vaporizers, you name it. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate all the years you guys have kind of followed us along, too. We've gotten to know so many of you. Um, and I think that's one of the most rewarding things about doing this is, is making the connections, meeting the people, um, seeing them on the B runs, kind of oh, seeing yeah. them in life popping up everywhere. Um, it's, it's super awesome. So, thanks again for watching and watching. Wow, this crossover stuff is just yeah. hard, man. I just thanks again for listening to the Contrary Beekeeper Show. As always, be the lighthouse, as Ted Lasso says. Be curious and be the change you want to see in this world. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.
0: Recorded in front of a live studio audience.
1: There you go. <laughs> That's cool.
0: <laughs> Hey, that'll
1: work. (laughs) How about that?